You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition and their new Centerfire Rifle Ammunition Terminal Ascent. Now, the Terminal Ascent has a slipstream polymer tip that helps flatten trajectories and initiates low-velocity expansion at longer ranges. The Terminal Ascent gives you match-grade long-range accuracy in a bonded hunting bullet and it comes in a variety of cartridges including the 6.5 Creedmoor, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 28 Nosler, the 7mm Remington Mag 30-06 and the 300 Win Mag. If you want to find more information about the Terminal Ascent, visit federalpremium.com and while you're there, check out It's Federal Season, the official podcast of Federal Ammunition. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. All right, guys. Welcome back to Land and Legacy Podcast. Rocking and rolling. This week brought to you by Vortex Optics. We're right in the middle of gun season. Happy Thanksgiving. If you haven't listened to the other podcasts, we're going to tell it to you again anyway. Um, happy Thanksgiving this week. Enjoy your time with your family, your extended family, and all your friends. All in one house, one, <laughs> under one roof. <laughs> enjoy it wherever. Go outside. Enjoy it at, at deer camp, but enjoy your time with your family and friends, and let's just all sit back and be thankful for what we have. Um, all the blessings in our life. I, I love reflecting on that. We've had a lot here. Man, I, I hate to. I do not want to get political. I've avoided it like the plague, but let's just sit back and be thankful for all we have and all the things we're trying to take away. And I will, I will recommend at Thanksgiving dinner, to not bring up politics for anybody, not just you, but just everybody. I don't know. I, I say let's bring it up and let's sort some things out. <laughs> let's see who's family and who's not. <laughs> yeah. Which side of the fence you on, feller? <laughs> oh, man. I'm just going to All right, come through the potatoes. door. Are you eating inside or are you eating outside? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. That tablecloth's blue and this one's red. <laughs> are you eating scraps or are you eating turkey? Yeah. We got bologna sandwiches over there. I left, yeah. I left the neck meat for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Well, I don't times. know about the cat, but I sure am enjoying it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is that from again? Christmas vacation. That's right, yeah, yeah. I think it's, I don't know about the dog, but I sure am enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. I know oh. it is the cat. Well, you know what? We we have been peering through quite a bit of Vortex here lately. 
That's right. Oh. We ha- we have, and I might have turned you down too much. Putting, it, it was putting a lot to use. Um, and and gosh, th- this week has been something pretty special. We we've got basically two two podcasts this week, just like normal. So the other podcast has got two buck kills on it. This podcast yep. has got one buck kill on it, and some additional habitat techniques absolutely that are going to be covered that can be done right now for sure and i think that's that's something that um so we had greg glessinger on a couple weeks ago and he talked about how october was one of the best octobers he's ever seen november's been one of the worst october or november's been one of the most warm and terrible novembers he's ever seen when it comes to weather yeah and you know, it, it goes with all the cycles, all the weather cycles of, you know, some years it's a really dry spring. Some years it's a really wet spring. Um, some summers it's really dry and too dry. And, and so we can gripe. If you want to wake up in the morning and make your choice to be a negative Nancy, sorry to all you Nancys that are listening. That's just the term. <laughs> I'm not meaning anything demeaning out of a name Nancy. But if you want to be a negative person, and make that choice. That's that's on you. That's on your heart. But when it comes to like, when it comes to land and even life in general, um, the advice I'd say is always find the positive. When it comes to land, tie it back to habitat. Is like, if you want to talk about the drought, let's say, well, it's a dry spring. Ah, man, I wish it. It's so stinking dry. My food plots aren't growing. And I know the research says that wet springs create better antlers. This is going to be a terrible year for antlers. And you can have that mindset. But it's not the mindset you really want to be. Because you can look at it and say, well, a dry spring means there's a better chance of nest nest survival for turkeys, quail, pheasants, whatever you want to, those ground nesting birds. We know it's, okay, well, it's going to be a year for the birds. All right. Maybe next year will be the year for the deer. Who knows? But we know that those dry periods, uh, in dry spring, uh, shoot, I've been kind of looking forward to a dry spring, knowing that it'll be better on the turkeys because they've been struggling so much lately here in the Midwest with these wet springs. And uh, same can be said about November's now. So it's like, ah, it's so dry. It's there's no been there's not really been any changes in the weather. It's been kind of awful. And but at the same time, you can look at it and say. You know, it's not the best for hunting. I wish it was colder. I wish we had more weather fronts. But if you're looking at it from a habitat standpoint, there's some been there's been some great weather for doing habitat work in November. And you're like, what? Who does habitat work in November? There's some things that November's the best month to do it. Yeah, like old field management comes uh, to mind. We we prescribe. I don't even. I would love to know how many thousands of acres we have prescribed for old field management, and we we always just discuss and go back and forth <coughs> with clients the difference was between spraying something a cool season grass in yeah. the fall versus pr- spraying in the spring, yeah. and, and the 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 plants are going through complete opposite. Despite it being relatively the same temperatures, same ground temperatures. Um, and the grass the really looks <coughs> the same. Yeah. And we're talking like tall fescue, smooth brome, yep. um, old orchard grass. I'm trying to think of some of the others that I might have missed that somebody might. Uh, those are the big three, I would yeah. say. Yep. T- tall fescue, um, orchard grass, and smooth brome. But 
those plants, based on the time of the year, are going through the exact opposite. One, yeah. in the spring, they're greening up. So they're sending nutrients from that has been stored in the root system, sending it up. Whereas in the fall, it's going into dormancy. So it's taking its reserves to the root system. Yeah. Therefore, if you spray in the fall, you're taking that, like the, the plant is always already taking nutrients and mobilizing it, let's say, south to the root system, mm-hmm. not the opposite. And so you can get a very effective spray and kill on those cool season grasses and have a wonderful stand of um, diverse natives, hopefully, if, depending upon you know the area, yep. going into the spring. Now, don't get me wrong. We, we have personally sprayed, and, and many clients can, have sprayed in the, in the spring and had fantastic results. You can but kill them in the, you can kill it in the spring. And, and, uh, and actually when we work with clients and they ask us when, it's like, you know, you have so much that I want you spraying both in the spring and the fall. Y- yeah. You can still get kills, but it's a smaller window of time. There's a better percentage of non-target mortality so you may kill some other plants that you wouldn't necessarily want to kill in the spring it's not a huge list but it's still there uh, especially if you go later into the spring Um, in the fall it's like okay it frosted the last two nights most almost a majority of the natives are all shut down and and now the temperature is 65 and that fescue is green as just as green as a gourd, I'm going to go spray it. And and you won't have large uh, fatality from other plants that you might not, not necessarily want to kill. And uh, so ideally we spray in the fall, but we also get that it's November. And <laughs> not all tags maybe are Maybe <laughs> I'll spray in the spring. Yeah. But yeah. if you're a person who's, you know, you're in Kentucky or Kansas or some other state where you only have one tag – um, or you're one of those really, really good deer hunters that we all just strive to be where you've already <laughs> tagged out on both your tags yeah. in early November. November is a phenomenal month to spray your old fields. And, you know, I, high on the list of, of, uh, of practices that we like or some of our favorite old field is up there because it's very cost effective. You can put a tremendous amount of acres into old field and still have um, great food and great cover for a long list of species and you don't have to continue year in year out management to make sure it stays that way. And generally speaking it's in an area that's getting about 100% sunlight. So it's like the energy transfer, the amount of growth, the amount of forage, the amount of cover that can be produced in those areas, huge, huge. I mean, we're, we're putting this thing up to, I, I would say, side by side in a lot of different portions of the country, um, you know, a, a bedding cut, or a, a bedding thicket that, that you go in and manually cut. This stuff is powerful. And, and I will say this, too, about, old field management is if you're wanting the leg up in an area it's diverse native forage early successional forage like how limited is that when we go across the country you you want want to talk about timber management there's logging crews that that far outweigh the impact or, or let's say the acreage that is actually in 
early successional habitat. So what's more limited? By far, early successional habitat. And it's 100%. Like if, if you want to do something that no one else is doing, if you want to take a farm to a new level, if you want to take an, a neighborhood to a new level, begin to chip away. And, and we're not saying you have to go and do all pasture conversions, but we're saying odd areas we're saying out of the way places start to do start to create some corridors maybe through pastures or if you say the heck with it i'm not doing pastures anymore well then this is the perfect thing to do yeah i mean we're, we're it, it the amount of food old old fields are not cool they're not near as cool as hinge cuts or food plots and I'd argue that point <laughs> what to the point I, I, know I mean nobody I know mean. nobody's doing it because Correct. it's like Oh, what are you doing? Well, I'm going to do some hinge cuts. What are you doing? I'm promoting uh, I'm, I'm native doing forage. Old, old field management. That just sounds boring. Well, I'll say this. I, I watch I, a I, lot of shows <coughs> before you go into that. Yeah. Uh, uh, not a lot, but I do watch a good amount of uh, YouTube shows. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I really like the hunting public. Yep. And, uh, yep, yep. and I think everybody does. And so it's a good – I bet I don't – I bet I watch it differently than – 95% of the people out there because they're hunting state ground most of the time or or federally owned ground and so this is public lands um hence the name they're hunting public lands and I'm looking at the habitat going gosh who's managing that <laughs> yeah. you know they can go to Iowa and I can almost write the picture for you it's going to be smooth brome old yep. fields yep. with goldenrod coming through it some indian grass poking through some indian Cedars. grass Cedar scattered around, and I can just say, "Well, I know what that needs." Yep. Or you, or they could go to um, somewhere down south, and I'm going to be like, "Well, there's going to be some sort of warm season base." You just or, or look at Chinese, the habitat, Chinese and I'm like, "Where, where's the old field that's actually being managed as old field, not the default old field?" As in, I stop managing it. Correct. It's everywhere. Old field is not characterized by the last time you step foot in there to do management. Old field is not an abandoned thing. Old field is a consistently managed, um, diverse composition of early successional plants, and th and that is you know continually burned. That is continually sprayed to eradicate you know some uh, maybe exotic plants that come in. Like it is a hundred percent fully functioning. Um, habitat that that needs to be implemented on the properties that are wildlife devoted or have wildlife aspects in mind and, and i would i would say that i don't you know, think about obviously we're not naming names or, or states or anything like that but some of the the properties that are the best and have yielded the best results that we have worked on old, old field is a large majority large portion of those property overhauls and transformations. Yeah, because it's quick. I mean, old field is one of those that if you go out and you spray your old fields or spray <coughs> your field edges or spray these odd areas or dead zones, right now they will look totally different come July because you're killing out that base that it if it's got if it's dominated much by cool season grass and you spray it out and you give it a growing season, it's going to have so many different things growing in it the very next year that it will a lot of times look from, it'll go from shin high to knee high at the peak to head high in one year. And that's what we're going for is that's just a, game a, a totally different, diverse 
ground. And, and usually that first couple of years after the spraying or the fire, you're going to see that much more open understory, which is more ideal for turkeys and quail and other birds. Um, and, and still have the umbrella canopy plants that are providing good cover that still are quality forage, if, especially if you go under giant ragweed or common ragweed, that are still very high quality forage for deer. So overall, it's one of those that's just, it's very hard to beat. And it's very hard to find a better practice to do during November um, that's more beneficial and has a more long-lasting effect on your ground. So guys, if you punch your tags or you're or the weather's warm and you're like, I don't know, I don't know, I'm at I'm at hunt camp, I've took my vacation days, I you know, the hunting's slow. I can promise you you can change the overall impact and, and uh productiveness of your farm by doing wow. old field management, spraying out your cool season grasses. I remember what I was gonna say earlier. We're talking three thousand pounds of digestible food that will grow up in many old field areas. Yeah. By, by releasing the native seed bank. And, again, that that's not in every specific area because we can't say exactly what happened to every pro- pro- property um, or acreage prior to doing this. And that spraying but, out the <coughs> fescue isn't going to result in Johnson grass growing. Right, we don't right. Know what the, we don't know what's under it, the fescue or the smooth brome. Correct. But generally speaking, we have seen thousands of pounds of food per acre respond and not not a seed planted, just something removed. That's, that's right. That's pretty powerful and impactful if you're trying to make a difference on a budget and a big difference in a neighborhood. Another thing you can do this time of year, in case you didn't notice, I'm not sure where you're at in the world, where you're at in the country, listen to this, but I want you guys to, while you're hunting, to start monitoring especially a lot of your mid-story trees. Yes, monitor those trees that are underneath the canopy of the big trees, the crop trees, and see if there's already buds forming. If you have flowering dogwood on your farm, you're probably seeing pencil head or eraser head on a pencil-sized buds already yep. forming. They're there. Um, some hickories are already starting to form some buds. Yep. Um, American hazelnut has already got some buds. And, um, and then not only that, but a lot of these trees still have very – um, flexible stems, the ends of the stems. All that is woody browse, especially the buds. That's just one of the most preferred f- food sources. And so if you're just like, I don't really know, you know, I- I'd like to do some stuff to make my hunting better, or maybe this whole first part of this season has been an absolute flop, get a chainsaw out, change it. Yeah. Go in, find those trees with buds on them, identify those trees, make sure it's not something that you don't want to cut, but if it's something you have an abundance of, like we have an abundance of flowering dogwood to a point and where buds. it's just a little bit too aggressive for our liking. It needs some management. If we don't go and drop a whole bunch of dogwoods, I can promise you we'll have deer in the night after we cut because it's just a highly preferred food source. So if your hunting season's a flop so far, don't be afraid to grab a chainsaw and go, I got nothing to lose. <laughs> go in there and hammer out a half an acre. And thin that out and monitor it with trail cameras or go and hunt around it. I, I can almost, I'd almost put some money on it, not that I'm a gambler, to say that deer are going to key in on that. And you oh, can yeah. change your season quickly. Um, so yeah, mid-November, 
But yeah, but they're still going. And in a lot of places, you drop one tree, it's like, oh my god, there's cover. And yeah, they flock to it, right? Yeah. But they they definitely will respond. And I, I think a lot of people are like, well, guys, seriously, you, you're gonna tell me that like really twigs, woody ends uh, of trees are good? Well, yeah, that's what they're after because what else are they eating between now and and spring green up? It should be. The twigs, the woody ends, that is that is what their bodies, their digestive system is designed to break down. And think about think about a bud. It is it is the next year's energy for growth. Yeah. So if you will, it's not a seed, obviously, but essentially it is a very packed densely packed, right, little nutrition burst yeah. that is tender, vegetative, and they consume it. I mean, corn is a seed, but it is—it's next year's growth too, right? I mean, yep. it, 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 like that is what they are eating and consuming, and generally speaking, I, I believe it's like twelve. Well, flowering 12%. dogwood at some sites has been eighteen percent. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and like, I mean, that—that that is pretty pretty powerful stuff at this time of the year. Yeah. And a lot of people have way too many trees. You could you could stand to lose a couple and feed some deer with them. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And Another great thing to do this time of year is plant some trees. Not that we're you know fruit tree advocates. Go plant all your trees or plant all these trees. But if you do have some, like I've got a couple projects where I need to plant some riparian areas with tree. November is kind of begins that season of great time to plant trees, and so going into these dormant season, going into this dormant season, plant some trees. Um, that's another big thing to do. Um, but overall, you've got old field management, which is just amazing. <coughs> and then you can run a chainsaw. You can run a chainsaw almost any time of the year, minus spring green up. We try not to do it during that time unless we're cutting cedars. Uh, and then planting trees is just all things that you can do to just be really putting yourself ahead of the neighborhood and, and making your farm in a direction that's more impactful and more productive. Um you know, I say all that, and then we'll jump back to this week. So other podcasts this week, Matt talks about his week of deer hunting, and now you're going to hear the kind of the story of mine. And so gun season opened up for us on November 14th. I went with a uh, rainy day, windy day. I went with my brother and my dad and sat in a redneck blind overlooking a bottom where we had Stratton Game Changer soybeans planted um, and saw a bunch of turkeys. We saw some deer. Um but overall, kind of the reason for this podcast, it's been a warmer November, so they're not really hitting the standing, uh, standing soybeans too well. Now, we planted a whole bunch of greens underneath it, uh, but it's been kind of a dry fall up until last 30 days maybe to where the greens are, are now growing, but they're not, they're not you know knee-high brassica leaves. Um, but we hunted, and uh, you know we saw some deer, but... We're kind of keying in on a few deer on the farm uh, in the Prairie Hollow property that we're really trying to we're really trying to chase. And uh, I'll share a, for for dads out there or husbands out there, you'll you'll laugh at this story. So that was Saturday. Sunday was incredibly breezy, so I did not go. And I don't usually I have not hunted back to back days. I don't think at all this fall. Um, and so I was planning on going uh, Tuesday. You went Monday. You yep. you shot a, a, your buck on Monday, 
And then Tuesday rolled around. I was planning on going, but my wife had a uh, a fever spike right right before we went to bed on Monday night um, for not COVID, none of that. So don't no. even think we got coronavirus going <laughs> here. Not sure how. We don't see anybody. Um, but so when that happened, I was like, okay, I'm not going tomorrow. Now, Tuesday was a southeast wind, and so – hunting one particular deer we really only have one stand for that and that's why we've hunted this stand so much this fall big piney southeast wind okay i'm gonna go there well no i'm not going because you you got a fever i'll stay home cutty link email the next morning 10 30 blinks at 7 30 that morning the big wide nine was standing what 35 yards in yeah, front of the tree 30. stand <laughs> it's like cool all right cool yeah that's, yeah. that's life that's life. Yeah. Well, hopefully I'll go tomorrow morning. And uh, tomorrow morning, meaning Wednesday morning, and uh, that's what we, that's what I did. Um, got out there Wednesday morning, um, going to Big Piney, southeast wind. Got a, uh, you know, the wind was not blowing at daylight. And Chad and I were burned uh, the week before, the week before, because we were trying to hunt Big Piney, and when there was no wind. It was supposed to kind of be five or six mile an hour, but when we got in the field, walking to it, there was no wind, and thermals were trying to suck it down over the bedding cut. So we backed out on that one. And so I'm like, I can't go in there until there's a breeze. And just before daylight, the breeze started picking up. Mm -hmm. So I slipped in there, um, and by the time I got into the stand, I could already start seeing around me. Yeah. And uh, so self-filming, putting the camera gear up, GoPros, all the stuff, and uh, I finally get it, get it in order. And as I was climbing up that stand, side note, I noticed a big scrape on the tree that we were in, and uh, yep. two weeks prior when we'd hunted it, it was not there. So I'm like, okay, there's clearly some deer who are using this side of the little opening that might not even be going in front of the camera. So I'm like, all right, this is a good sign. I like this, and uh, we're sitting there and. Uh, or I'm sitting there, and I immediately hear that sound where as soon as I hear the leaves crunching, it's two categories, squirrel or deer. Yep. It's too early for armadillos. There's a frost. They ain't moving. It's squirrel or deer, and that's it. And I'm, like, listening, and I went ahead, and I'm like, I better get a GoPro on. GoPro's not turning on. GoPro's not turning on. Dang you, Chad! Why is the GoPro not charged? Because oh, um, we've been sharing the camera. Because yeah. I haven't been hunting much. I'm like, why is that not turning on? Why is that not turning on? That's clearly a deer. GoPro, you better turn. Okay, GoPro number two, you're turning on. Okay, GoPro number two's on. Cam, big camera's on. There's a deer, and he's coming right at me. Still and can't my tell what he is. Gun is sitting in the seat of the cameraman stand. Yeah. Because I haven't even had time to really get that going yet. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. He's too close to make a move now. And it steps out from the from the kind of the, the mid-story trees that are pretty densely stacked. And I'm like, okay, it's a young buck. I can live with that. Young buck. And he walks 10 yards, and he's just, like, looking around. And he's that, like, stag-looking deer yeah, or that little, yeah. like, uh, where it goes up. And it's a little bit more massive than a yearling. I think he's like a two-year-old with kind of a – a messed up looking rack where he's at tines that kind of go straight out. What are those deer in Germany? Uh, red stag? 
No, the little ones. Um, man, my grandpa shot one during World War II. I'm trying to remember what they're I called, though. Anyway, they got antlers that go straight up about six inches, seven inches, and that's what he kind of looks like. And I'm like, huh, I, I recognize that deer. I know that deer. And then about that time I hear, oh, oh no, that's back behind me. Mm. And so I can then hear, and I hear antlers hitting hitting branches. And when I hear the antlers hitting a branch, I'm like, well, it's not a spike. <laughs> yeah, There's more to that one. And so I'm like, ah, my back is straight to him, and I've got the camera arm coming around me. I'm like, this is not a good around situation. Around you on your left side? So I'm facing like. Uh, out and the yeah. camera's coming all the way around okay. me on yeah, my yeah. right side. Yeah. So I really right can't side. move the camera that way. So I'm like, okay, and I flip the screen around and just start s- kind of doing the selfie mode. Yeah. Over my shoulder, everything's opposite. So if you watch the unedited version of this video, you're going to see kind of some, ooh, that's the wrong way. And yeah. <laughs> instead of going right, I need to go left or whatever. And uh, I end up getting on the deer, and about that time he looks right at me. And uh, I'm like, that's the eight-pointer from Sawmill. What is he doing up here? Hmm. And, he I mean, he is ripping the scrape up in the back hayfield. So right, right on keep in mind, edge. a family farm is working cattle farm. Now, they're not in the back hayfield. The cows aren't. But we don't typically see deer in there. And this deer is ripping up a scrape I, I mean, in I, the field. I don't know if I've – I might have seen, like, a deer run across it. You don't see deer in that field hardly no. ever. No, ever, I mean, and he's not downwind, or he's, he's close. He's got to be close. He's very close. Yeah, and I was like, "Ugh, don't how long before like he situation. wins me?" I don't even have my Ozonics up yet. Yeah, but at the same time, the wind's blowing pretty good. I'm like, it's probably not quite. You know, he's he's at forty five or fifty on a clock, and my wind's probably going it straight at high hour okay. so he's just slightly off but i don't like it and so i'm just like huh and i'm looking down on that little buck still 10 yards in front of me looking at him and finally that little buck moves towards him to go check him out and that gave me enough time i brought the camera all the way around me jam it through between me and my safety line and i get it back on him and i'm like okay he's a nice deer he's the big eight pointer um now's the question do I shoot this deer or do I wait and see if the big nine, who I'm really hunting, shows up? <laughs> yeah. And I can hear other stuff walking in the leaves to the south. I was like, By everything's way, going through my head. The big nine is the big nine that we talked about. Oh, a couple two weeks, weeks ago. ago when I shot and wounded him. Yeah. And but he, he's been totally fine. To- I mean, like, like I never totally even hit him. Fine. And yeah. that's the point of bringing that up. Is like. You know, a lot of people, that, you know, they think, oh, you know, that deer, he'll never be back in that area. All these weird, crazy thoughts. It's like, no, he's doing the exact same thing that he was doing before that encounter. And the deer is totally fine. You can see a little a little section of the displaced hair, but um, he's running around fine, chasing does like normal. Yeah. So it's, I mean, he's not, that's not a worry at all. And he... Obviously, was there in front of this stand the day before. Yeah, for sure. And so I'm just like listening, and then I'm like seeing black through the through the trees, and I'm like, nope, that's the cows in the very northeast corner of that field. Mm-hmm. They're right up under those trees. That's what I hear. But the whole time, those deer keep looking back that way. 
Yeah. I'm like, ugh, do I shoot this deer or do I wait? Bird in hand, two in the bush. Bird in hand, two in the bush. Uh, and then about that time, that deer starts to walk off. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no. Okay, well, it's well, burning the bush and now. Whenever they walk off, they always look good, too, when they're walking away. Yeah, and so I was like, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> it didn't work out. Yeah. And then he turns, and he comes back over and works the scrape again. Oh, now, keep yeah. in mind, there's a barbed wire fence five yards from where he's working the scrape. Right. So it's like maybe he just doesn't want to cross a fence. Yeah. And so all this is going through my head, and that little buck's standing right there. I'm like, huh. in my head, I'm going, When's the, you know, it's already a struggle to try to hunt that much with two kids under two. And this is a nice deer. I'm excited. I'm going to take him. And then I pull up the, the the gun. I finally get the gun around and the camera's all good. And I'm like looking. I'm looking at the at the viewfinder and I, and I look through the scope and I'm like, oh, no, I'm shooting through barbed wire. <laughs> and he's 35 yards. Okay, I'm sighted dead in at 100. Uh, I'm like, okay. And he then kind of wheels around. He's slightly quartering away, and I shoot, and he ran 40 yards and piled up. Nice. And I'm like, yeah, I got him. All right. Heck yeah. And then a doe jumps the fence. And I'm like, oh, 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 goodness, where is she coming from? Where did she come from? And then I hear, and you're like, big nine. Where's the big nine? He's going to run out. And then that little buck runs over, and he's the one to grunt. And they uh, run a complete circle around me, and then right off. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I better get down, and because I don't want to know what's going to come by later. <laughs> but yeah, I better get down before I before I just make myself sick. <laughs> yeah. I, I shot a deer, and I think anybody who shoots the deer you're not intending to go after, or you didn't go to the place for, might have that have, oh, yeah. have that yeah. questioning, and so. Anyway, and that's when you called me, and uh, you said that you and Michael had one down, and so I got down, and that was my hunt. And, uh, you know, I, that big piney is a stand that Chad just hung this September, October, and we've hunted the most of any stand on the farm. Oh, yeah. And it's just like of all the places. just last winter, I think January, Chad and I cut in this bedding thicket. I don't think it's any surprise that – that's been one of our most popular camera locations as well as hunting locations because there's been so many deer around. It's like, here's a cut. Deer have never had young forests on this part of the farm. or I can't say never, but not in recent history have they had young forests and, and, and quality cover. Like you guys have done TSI, so it's been like very not e- spread Not out, even that much TSI like, on that part of the farm. It's, yeah, It's very it's densely packed in there right so yeah it's mean, a lot of good resources that's like yeah well that's why they're there yeah and, and there's so, so much awesome and and shoot uh as i went checked the deer over really nice eight pointer um i went and got my truck drove back and as i got to my truck and got out two does were being chased i never saw the buck mm-hmm. didn't really want to look that hard two does what got chased and ran right under the stand down in the bedding oh, ticket wow. that's cool i'm like well, that stand, you know, hey. this weekend, we very well could roll in there, Chad and I, or Dad and Chad, or me and Dad, uh, or Dad and I, roll in there and and hunt that same stand and oh, have success. Easily. So very easily. I think that's one of the big things about appropriate habitat, hunting, hunting um, conservatively slash semi-aggressive can allow you to hunt fresh and... Uh, Keep it fresh. I mean, it's got. It's got I mean, we talked about the setup. I mean, it's got perfect access with with that type of wind, east southeast wind. It's it's 
It's awesome. I mean, yeah. it, you can keep it fresh, but continue to hunt because it is a hot, it's a hot spot right now. And For so sure. you don't want to be out of it, but you you keep it fresh by doing all that. Um, and that's a, the cool thing too, is you at the end of the day, I guess you didn't. You thought it was a buck from sawmill. It, it, it well, was. It, it is a buck from sawmill. One but you of thought them. It, you thought it was a potentially a different buck before you yeah. shot it, before you actually saw it. I think, right? Yeah. So we had an interesting year. You know, last year we had donuts <coughs> who I missed, and and just so you guys follow along, we have not seen donuts since April, when he, yeah. he shed his antlers in Mar- or late February, early March. We have not seen him since April, so I'm I'm not convinced that deer is alive, um, and and it's a shame. He's a world class caliber deer, but. I'm not going to sing the blues because we're just getting started on the habitat stuff. We're going to grow many more deer that are world class. I'm confident of that. Um, but we've had a lot of, we've had several deer that are like, yeah, he's a decent eight. He could be mature. He could be a real jacked up three and a half year old. I don't know because we don't get that many pictures of them. Uh, there's one deer in particular that should be an eight, but he doesn't have brows, so he's just yeah. a big six-pointer. Yeah. And then we had another deer show up that was injured that kept his velvet into October, um, and I think he's dead probably from that injury. Yep. And then we had this deer who showed up in uh, October, I think, and we're like, I don't know who this deer is. We thought he was the velvet buck that ended up shedding, but... He ends up being a buck that you had an encounter with last January. Uh, December. December? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was very late <coughs> season, and it was actually a hunt where you saw the big nine and him. Yeah. And at that point, we didn't know if he was two or three, so this deer that I shot is either three or four. Uh, my gut tells me three. And uh, so, yeah, it was uh, – I mean, it, 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 but it's, it's so – it's just fascinating, I guess, like when you – you don't know some deer, and then you kind of try and figure some things out, and you're like, oh, he's got this characteristic. He looks like that deer. You investigate it. You go back, and you're like, well, that deer had quite a bit of white there on its legs. And then you look, and you're like, well, there's the white on this deer's legs. Yep. And it's like, where has this deer been? Then, yeah. like, the, the questions just keep starting to come. And it's like, well, then, and then and then a surveyor saw this deer, too. Yep, surveyor saw him on, mon- on Tuesday <coughs> chasing a doe. He said, the closest I've ever seen a deer chase a doe to cattle. He said, in in through the herd in the bottom field, just all over. Right. And then when I shot the deer and I sent him a picture, uh, he goes, that's the deer I saw. And I'm like, that was, you know, 800 yards that way. A good clip that (laughs) Yeah, the other way. So it's just it's fascinating to try how did deer slip through the cracks and then other deer are right under our noses and never move a muscle. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You would you would love. Honestly, it, it would like be I don't like deer that slip through the cracks, <laughs> just so you know. They're kind of bonus deer. Like, yeah. I looked at that deer, and I'm like, he's kind of a bonus because I never really anticipated on him sticking around. Yeah. But at the same time, they make you go crazy because you're just like, where'd he go? Who shot him? Where's he at? Where's he dead in the what? woods? And I'm never going to find him again. I, I would love to almost, like, participate, like, have a property, and then and then go to the state and be like, hey, come and collar all these deer. And I don't I don't want to hunt for, like... I collar the deer, but I want to watch them. I don't want to hunt for like two or three years. I just yeah. want to watch what these deer do on a daily basis, see how far they go, what yeah. resources they're using, and get all that information, and then be like, okay, 
Now, I don't want to look at any of the information, <laughs> all the collars and whatever, but I'm going to go back and hunt. And, like, yeah. see what areas that they're frequenting, when they're frequenting, just to, like, learn so much about that property and then the resources that were available at that time. Yeah. That would be so fascinating because, like, this deer, golly, where in the world would he have been? Where would he have gone? Like, it would have just been amazing. Yeah, because you saw him last year on the very east side of the family farm. Yeah. And he spent, when he showed up this fall, he was – he was kind of on the western side of the Prairie Hollow property. But yeah. then when the surveyor saw him, he was away on the south side. And then when I killed him, he was up towards the center part of the of the family farm. So he had a big range. And, yeah. It, it, just, there's no telling. No telling. But, there's no telling. Um, yeah, fun stuff. Uh, cool hunt. Cool hunt. Now it's dad and Chad are up for me. And, uh Hopefully they can get an encounter with the with the big nine or, or any other deer that just wants to pop its head open, uh, uh, not open, but pop it up and, and have an opportunity. Yeah. That'd be awesome. So, guys, hopefully you're having a great November. Remember, there's still work you can be doing if you're out of tags or you just don't you just don't like the way season's going. There's plenty of stuff you can do. Old field management, timber management, planting trees, all the fun stuff. We just hope that you're taking this time to be thankful for what we have, thankful for your friends and your family, thankful for this country. We ask that you continue to pray for this country during these strange, strange times. Uh, we ask that you guys could just continue to enjoy your time in the woods and drag somebody else into the woods to enjoy it with you. And, uh, man, just thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. We'll see you guys. Yeah.